Okay, so for the last few weeks, we've been um, kind of wrapping up this series that we're calling Mislabeled. And we've been looking at some of the lies um, that Christians sometimes accept and believe about who we are and some of the tragic consequences of accepting and believing those lies. Um, and I'll just tell you, you are, you are never gonna live a life that honors God and you're never gonna live a life that draws people to Jesus and you're never gonna live a life that's rich and satisfying and abundant and productive and effective and fun. You're never gonna live that life if you believe lies about who you are. And the truth that destroys those lies is this. You are not who the world says you are. You're not who people say you are. You're not who Satan says you are. You're not who your past experiences say you are. You're not who your feelings say you are. You are who God says you are, amen? And the best place for us to figure out who God says we are is by looking in the Bible. And so, I mean, this series could last forever, and so I don't want you to get bored. Um, So here's what I've done. Um, We have some little bookmarks. You probably got one of these when you came in. And this is gonna go through a list of of just some of the different aspects of who you are, your true identity in Christ. And so anytime you want, you can look and it says, in Christ I'm righteous and holy, and there's the scripture that proves it. I'm unconditionally loving, there's a scripture that proves it. I'm confident, I'm adequate, I'm worthy, I'm humble, I'm free, I'm more than a conqueror, the list goes on. So I'd really encourage you, let's not have this study stop this week. Just take one of these with you and do this in in your own time, right? Look and see what the Bible says about who you are in Christ. We started this series with a story that takes place in an attic. And most of us, I think, have wondered at one time or another if we were switched at birth, right? I mean, surely those can't be my parents. And we probably kidding, mostly kidding, sometimes kidding, but just imagine that you're a kid and your, your parents really are just cruel and abusive and critical and mean and irresponsible and lazy and stupid. And consequently, you live a life of, of fear and want and hunger and humiliation and poverty and Pretty early in life, you accepted and believed that you were just always gonna be scared. You were just always gonna be put down. You were just always gonna be hungry and poor and humiliated, but you always knew you were just gonna turn out just like your parents. And yet, the whole time, it never felt right. Like, it always felt like something was disconnected. And then one day, you were in the attic, and you were looking for old baseball cards or something, and you find this dusty old trunk, and you open up that trunk, and you find papers that prove that you actually had been abducted as a baby. And it turns out these aren't your real parents. They're criminals. And it turns out that your real mom is a Nobel Prize winning scientist, and a famous musician, and your dad is actually an astronaut, and in his spare time, he's a major league baseball player, and they love you, and they've been desperately looking for you, and as you sit there in the dust between the Christmas decorations and the suitcase, you think to yourself, I knew it. You know, that no wonder it felt like, it's weird. I, this explains everything. This, this life is not my life. Right? This is, 
This, and also, by the way, I'm super rich and have a huge inheritance waiting for me, right? So let me ask you, let, if that was you, like, what would you do? Here you are sitting in this attic, there's, there's dust all around you, right? And there's this new discovery about who you really are. Would you, would you just go downstairs and continue to live the same old life? No. You would turn away from that life. You would run away from that life. You would do, you'd have a lot to do, right? You'd get in touch with your parents, you'd start going to baseball games, you would take some music lessons, you would move to a way better house, and you would start living a way better life because once you figured out who you really are, you'd want to start living out of that identity, right? You'd, you'd want to start living from your true identity. And the weird thing is, that had always been your true identity. You had just been mislabeled. But now, you know who you really are, so you would, you would peel off that mislabel, right? And you would replace it with your true identity, and you would start living the life of the person that you really are. And what I want us to kind of focus on today is if you did that, that would take some conscious decisions on your part, right? As you go down the attic stairs, you got some decisions to make, right? And then once you get down there, you're gonna have to do some hard stuff. But if you don't make those decisions and you don't start doing that hard stuff, nothing's gonna change. And you're just gonna, you're just gonna continue to live the life as if those horrible people really were your parents. And so, as Christians, all of these mislabels that we've been talking about are lies. And they can keep you from living this purposeful, God-honoring, rich, satisfying, abundant life that Jesus came to give you. And the first key, the first key is peeling off the mislabel, right, and replacing it with your true identity. But knowing your true identity is gonna have exactly zero effect on your life if it stays in your head. It can't just be, well, now I know, right? It has to go from your head to your heart to your life. Right, to your behaviors. Does that sound familiar? We talked a little bit last week about salvation and what that looks like, and it's kind of similar, huh? It's like we know about Jesus, right? We believe about Jesus, and then we believe in Jesus, right? And then we change our behaviors, and we change our life, and we, we turn away from the direction we were going. We turn away from the life that we were living, and we turn towards the life that he's calling us to, and we call that repentance. We're turning away from the old life, the old life that we had, and we're turning towards the new life. So I guess what we've been asking is, what would it look like to turn away from the mislabel that says I'm ugly and turn towards the true identity that God says I'm a masterpiece? What would it look like for me to turn away from the mislabel that says I'm insignificant and turn towards the true identity that God says I'm called? What would it look like for me to reject the lie that I'm alone and accept my true identity? God says I'm part of something beautiful. What would it, what would it look like? What would we be doing? What, what does it physically look like for me to turn away from and reject this label that I'm defeated and turn my life towards the true reality of my real identity that says I'm an overcomer. And I'm gonna tell you, it, that is an awesome thing to, to do, 
But it's only gonna happen if we, A, believe your new identity, right? We trust God's word, we believe our new identity, and B, we have to, we have to believe in our new identity so much that it changes and it shapes our behaviors. And it changes and it shapes our lives. And I'm just gonna tell you, if, if that were you, just like when you came down the stairs from the attic, you'd have to realize, man, I see who I thought I was. I, I, I reject that now. And I see who I really am. And I embrace that now. And now, I got some work to do, right? I gotta peel off that mislabel. I've gotta, I've gotta put on my new identity and I gotta start living from that true identity. Then your life would change, right? It's not just knowing it. So you have to, you probably have to take some steps. Probably gonna have to do some stuff. And some of the stuff might be hard. So today we're gonna talk about one of those. We're gonna talk about a, a common mislabel. Maybe you've seen it. It says, hello. I'm offended. I'm offended. Have you ever have you ever met anyone? No one here. Not the person you're sitting with, certainly. But like like you just you met him for two seconds and your first impression is shoosh, you know that that person, man, I don't they're they're bugged, right? I don't know who, I don't know what but somebody did something that they are not pleased with, right? They are so angry, or they're just, or they're so sad that this thing that happened to them, this hurt, this offense, has become like how, the, how they see the world, right? They see everything through, and how the world sees them, because it's how they present themselves. And it's like it's become it's become their identity. And, and they are not living a God-honoring, rich, satisfying, abundant life because this thing of being offended, it's not, it's not just how they feel anymore. It's become who they are, right? That's their identity. They're offended. How many of you have ever met anybody like that? Okay, good, well, you can share this video with them after. Um, so, Offended people come in at least two flavors, okay? The first flavor is somebody that's just kind of always offended, right? Um, and just like everything offends them, right? Do you, know, do you know somebody like at work when you pass in the hall and it's like, good morning, how you doing? And they say, what is that supposed to mean? Right, it's like, you know them? You know those people? Um, and uh, <laughs> maybe you're wondering if you are those people. So um, I'll give you a test. Um, here's, here's three things that you might say in a day. Um, if every single day you say, you know what drives me crazy? Blank, right? Or if you say, I am sick and tired of blank, right? Or if you say, you know, blank really hurts my feelings. If you say one of those things every single day and it's a different blank every day, then it's you. You're, 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 you're always offended. And, and you have just put so many of these tags all over you, just you're, you're covered up with these tags that say, I'm offended. And now, because that's how you see the world, now that's how people see you. And it's become more than how you feel or how you think, it's, be, it's become who you are. And then 
The second flavor, type two, are people that I think are kind of stuck on one offense, right? Maybe, maybe just one event in their life, or maybe one person, a parent, or a teacher, or some sort of abuser, or an ex-spouse, or a bad friend. Somebody did something to them that was so painful, that was so hurtful, that they, they, they put that, that label on, and they, they, they just, they can't, they can't get past it. It's like that label has just stuck for so long that now they just accept it. I guess this is just my lot in life. You know, I guess this is just the way I'm gonna live. I'm, I'm always gonna be hurt. I'm just always gonna be bitter from that thing. I'm always, I'm always gonna be offended. And I wanna say this to you. Listen, you're, that pain is real. That pain is real. And we're trying to minimize that pain today. And, and sometimes healing takes time. And maybe, maybe it comes in stages, you know? Maybe you're not ready yet for that healing, and maybe you need some help with that healing. And if that's the case, man, get a connection card and say, Larry, I wanna talk to you, and let's talk about it this week, and let's get you the help that you need. Maybe, and maybe you're just not ready for this just yet, but when you're ready to stop living like you're offended and start living like you're free, then we got some work to do, right? We, we gotta do some hard stuff. You gotta, you gotta do some peeling of that old name tag, and it starts with choosing forgiveness. And listen, maybe you do have a good reason, a real reason, you know, maybe somebody really, really hurt you, really betrayed you, maybe somebody really took advantage of you or abused you, maybe somebody lied about you, maybe somebody really, really sinned against you. And man, uh, that's real, and, I, and I'm, I appreciate that that's true. But there's a question that I've heard in my office from people that are hurting a thousand times, and this question strikes me as so strange, because people will ask me this, don't you think I have a right to be mad? This is what my husband said to me. Don't you think I have a right to be mad? This is how my boss treats me. Don't you think I have a right to be mad? This is the way my parents grazed me. Don't you think I have a right to be offended? Don't I, don't I have a right to be mad? And my question is not, do you have the right to be mad? My question is, do you want to be mad? Right, because like, I, I have a right, and I'm American, right? I have a right to free speech. And that's, that, that's great, because I want the right to free speech, right? I have a right, I have a right to practice my faith. And that's great news, because I want to practice my faith, right? These, are, I, I, these rights are things that I want. I have the right, I have the right to bear arms. I have the right to arm bears, right, whatever. I, 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 those are, listen, those are things that I want. Those are things that I want, and I will fight for the right to party. Because, why, why though, listen, why? Why? Because I want to party, right? So, I don't want to be mad. I don't want to be offended. I don't want the right to be mad or the right to, I, I want to be effective. I want to be happy. I want to be free. So, I mean, think about that kid in the attic. Did he have the right 
to go downstairs and resume his previous life. I, I, mean, I guess he didn't want that. I mean, that kid wanted to be free from, from them and from that life. So, I mean, I guess, I guess if you want it, you do have the right to be offended. You have the right to be mad. You have the right to stay sad. But you also have the right to be free. Jesus same. He, Jesus say he came to, to give freedom. That's what he came for. He said it's for freedom that you've been set free, right? He came to give us freedom. And again, maybe your hurt is too fresh for this, and that's okay. It, it, maybe, you're, maybe you need some time to process what's happened to you, and maybe you need to establish new boundaries, and maybe you need time to heal. Maybe you need help. If you need help, please let me know. But, you know, you're healing from this wound and your new identity as somebody that's free. Your new identity as somebody that is truly free. The Bible says free indeed. This, this life of freedom and peace and joy and effectiveness might begin when you take the steps that it takes to peel off that mislabel that says I'm offended and choose to live a life that says I'm free by forgiving the person that hurt you. Or if you're an always offended person, by quickly forgiving everybody that offends you every day. And I know, man, this is hard. This is hard. And there are a million reasons to hold on to that offense. So today I'm going to give you four reasons to forgive. Um, the first two are I think specifically for Jesus followers, and really they might be enough, and then we'll have two that are just really kind of practical, okay? So the first one is, um, reason number one, the Bible instructs us to forgive. It says Bible on the sign out front. I don't know if you noticed that. It's a Bible church, right? So um, Colossians 3.12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. You must, you, oh, must, okay. You, you, what is it? What does yours say? Should, might, can. <laughs> you must clothe yourself with tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. You don't have to like it. You don't have to even accept it right now. Does anybody not understand that instruction? Okay, we'll go to the next one. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, what does yours say? Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. Does anybody not understand that? You can chew on it the rest of the day, right? Um, Matthew 18 is a really cool scripture. Um, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like they just keep doing it. And he says, seven times? And I'm thinking that like Peter had forgiven somebody seven times and he was hoping Jesus would say seven because then he could drop the hammer, right? And then Jesus really crosses him up. So how many times? Seven times? And Jesus goes, no, not seven times. 70 times seven. And Peter's like, what the? Right, I don't, what you, are you? And some of you, what are you Four, what, 490 times? That's, that's, that seems like a lot. 
And others of you are thinking, you know, I forgave my husband 490 times today, right? So it's like, I'm done, I'm, I'm already finished. So I'm there, I can do whatever I want now, but uh, whichever of those two groups you're in, um, bad news, I don't think the 490 is literal. Um, you know, to a first century Jew, um, seven is the number of what? Completion, right? So it's the number of completion, and so, 70 times seven is like, you must forgive them completely, completely, right? It's like, absolutely, you must, you, you must forgive them, I don't even know a word, eternally. You have, to, you, have to, you, have, you have to forgive them forever. So some parts of the Bible are hard to understand, right? We've, we've, we've seen that, but forgiving people that sin against us isn't really one of those. It's not hard to under, it's hard to accept. It's hard to do, but it's not hard to understand. The Bible's pretty clear that forgiveness is a pretty basic premise of what Jesus' followers are called to do. Um, Tim Keller is a famous preacher, really kind of one of my heroes. He passed away last week, and he said something years ago that I thought was so smart. He said, all of, yeah, we look at these instructions in the Bible for how we're supposed to live our lives, and all of God's instructions are for us. They're for our benefit. Right, all of these rules, all these instructions in the Bible are things that encourage human flourishing. And so God must know that forgiveness is good for us because the Bible instructs us to forgive. Okay, still love me? Do you forgive me? Okay, okay, number two, second reason to forgive, Jesus forgives. And if we're Jesus followers, followers, I'll try it like this. Runners, right? Pie eaters, right? Jumpers, followers. If we're Jesus followers, that means we do what Jesus did, right? And, and we should forgive because Jesus forgives. You know, Peter, we love making fun of Peter here, but he was probably Jesus' best friend. And yet, when Jesus was having the worst night that anybody's ever had, Right, when he was betrayed by everybody, when he was falsely accused and lied about and spit on and tortured to death. That night, Peter abandoned him and ignored him and betrayed him and said he didn't even know him. I mean, that, listen, that is unforgivable for a friend. And yet, if you read in the book of John, like two pages later, Jesus is on the beach, resurrected, cooking breakfast for Peter, right? And he's encouraging him, and he's calling him to be a pastor. Jesus forgave. Jesus forgave, Jesus forgave the guys who, who crucified him while they were doing it. While they were hammering nails into his hands and his feet, Jesus forgave. And he didn't just forgive Peter, and those guys 2,000 years ago, he forgives us. So here's Colossians 3.13, it says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anybody that offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Our, our motivation to forgive comes from being forgiven by Jesus. And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, that's, I get it, I, I, that's great, but in this particular case, 
You know, what this person did to me was so, so awful. It was just, it was un, it was unforgivable. Because it was just, if it was a little thing, you know, but what they did to me was unforgivable. But, and I, I understand that, but like what's hard for me, what's hard for me is that what I did was unforgivable. And I don't know if you guys know this about me, but my sin made it necessary for Jesus to die. So basically, I killed Jesus. And I read, you know that movie, The Passion of the Christ? So Mel Gibson directed that movie, right? And I read that when they shot the scene where they were hammering the nails, that he like zooms in and Mel Gibson put his hands on the nail and his hands on the hammer and showed him driving those nails into Jesus' hands. And you don't have to love Mel Gibson, but it seems like he gets something pretty important, right? I nailed Jesus to the cross. My sin, my failure, my pride. Put my knee on his arm as he flinched and jerked and bled. And my hands grabbed that nail. And my hand grabbed that hammer. And as I hammered those nails, as I was doing it, he forgave me. Even before I did it, knowing that I was gonna do it, he chose to die for me. So no one's sin against me is greater than the sin he forgave in me. Does that make sense? So that's really the meaning of this parable. Jesus, Jesus told Peter, forgive 70 times seven, and while Peter is like trying to figure out, well, wait a minute, maybe he didn't mean it, you know, or maybe there's an angle that he hadn't considered. He doesn't know what they did to me. Jesus tells this parable, I'll read it to you. It's Matthew 18, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king that decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants that had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in that owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to another servant that owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant did the same thing he did. He fell down before him and he begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, I'll pay it but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him what happened. And the king called the man in that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty straightforward stuff. Right, it, I, I have been forgiven so much that there is nothing so great that I can't forgive it. So yeah, we should forgive because the Bible instructs us to. If we're Christians, and we should, we should forgive because Jesus forgave. And, and honestly, for most of us as believers, maybe those two reasons are enough. But I wanna give you a couple of also just like practical reasons why I think forgiveness is so important. Uh, reason number three, uh, forgiveness gives a miracle a chance to happen. 
forgiveness, just a, 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 a glimmer of hope, right? Like a crack, right? Forgiveness gives a miracle a chance, actually a couple of miracles have a chance to happen when we forgive. And the first one is just a miracle of restoration and redemption and healing in this relationship like with the person that hurt you. Maybe, maybe, we have a miracle, a chance to happen, right? Maybe if you forgive, then this relationship can be restored. And I know some people would say, and maybe for good reason, no, no way. One, that's never gonna happen. And number two, I don't want to reconcile with my abusive ex or whatever. And, and okay, but there's, there's another miracle that could happen. If you forgive and let go of this hurt, maybe it would help you move on and experience healing and freedom apart from this relationship with the rest of your life. Because reason number four is forgiveness frees you. So I'll ask you to repeat after me, forgiveness frees me. That was horrible. Okay, let's try it again. Forgiveness frees me. Forgiveness frees me, right? So when I was a kid growing up, I loved basketball, and so I was a big fan of the NBA, right? So I'd never miss. I'd, Sunday, I couldn't wait. Church would be over. I'd go home, turn on the game, and I'd sit there and eat my lunch, and I love the NBA, and I idolize those guys so much and everything. And then as I grew up, um, the character of some of the players really got to me. You know, like I, they're like, they're just, so many of them were just so disrespectful and, you know, they're making millions of dollars and they were just, they were just bad people. They were like criminals, like thugs, you know, and then I'm watching it because I love it. And, and one day some news broke about the behavior of one of those players. And I said, you know what? I'm done with them. That's it for me. I'm not going to watch an NBA game for one year. <laughs> right. And I'll teach them. Right. I'll teach them. Let's see how they like it, right? And so I did it. I didn't watch an NBA game for one year. In fact, I watched hardly any professional sports. For a whole, it was a big deal for me. It was, a big, it was hard for me because I was like wondering what was happening and the Spurs were doing pretty well at that time. And like I was really, you know, it was hard for me, but I did it. I had the courage of my convictions. I didn't watch a single game, right? And when ESPN would come on and start showing the clips, I would turn it off, right? I wouldn't watch any of it. And I did it for one year and then okay after a year I thought okay well surely they've learned their lesson by now right and so I don't know I turn it back on and I was really like they were still playing like the league had not folded and they were still acting like criminals and they were still making millions of dollars and it turns out that my boycott had a much bigger effect on me than it did on them and the truth is I'm not really sure they noticed and, and, I, and I, I honestly, it kind of turned me off. I kind of lost interest and I really don't watch it very much anymore. And I don't think they care. And similarly, right, sometimes in my life, some, somebody has hurt me, somebody has offended me and, and it was just too big, you know? I just couldn't let it go. I couldn't, I couldn't drop it. And, 
And I just held on to it, you know, I'll teach them a lesson, you know. And I was just so angry and I couldn't sleep and, you know, like I just nodded up all the time. And then after a while, it's like, I just can't keep living like this, you know. I'm just going to, I got to get out of this funk that I'm in. I'm going to go to them and I'm going to tell them what's going on. And I don't know, maybe I'll punch them. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll kill their dog. I don't know. Something's going to happen, right? Because I can't keep living like this. And then I go and I tell them, and they, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were mad. It's like, what the heck are you talking about? I haven't slept for six months, right? I'm, I'm a mess. I've been so tense. My blood pressure is through the roof. My hair all turned gray, and they didn't even know it. Do you see what I'm saying? If we don't forgive... It's, 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 a lot of times it's not hurting them as much as it's hurting us. You follow me? Who's up for something weird? What do I say? When I ask that question, if you're new to the church, when I ask, when I ask that question, we raise our hand, okay? Who's up for something weird? Okay, great. That's, I'm glad you're on board. Um, so I would like to demonstrate this truth with a short one-act play. Okay? So I'm going to need... Um, Two volunteers, Curtis. No, you got in trouble last time, I'm not doing that again. Let me pick on somebody else. Bill, come on up, come on up. You clap for our volunteers. Come on over, come on over. What is your name? Curtis. And have we ever met before this? No. Liar. Okay, step back. This is Bill. Bill, what is your name? Bill. Bill. And have we prearranged anything about this? The 20 bucks you gave me. Okay, back up. Okay, so now, um, you guys, have you been to Broadway or something? You've seen plays. So this would be sort of like that, only a lot higher quality. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I've got to tell them what we're doing. So we've got to get our set design and all that stuff figured out. So you guys give me one minute and just... Talk amongst yourselves about how great the sermon is today, okay? So give us some music so it can be kind of quiet. I'm going to explain to these guys what we're doing. Just talk amongst yourselves. Welcome to the CBCB Playhouse. So here's Curtis. Y'all can clap for him. Now Curtis is going to say and do a horribly egregious thing. He's going to take this marker and he's going to make a negative comment about me that's really going to hurt my feelings. Let's see what it is. Would you please hold it up for people to see? Larry is a poo-poo head. (laughs) Real mature, Curtis. Real mature. Okay, so now look, what happens? I'm offended, man. That really hurts my feelings, right? That really makes me mad. So you know what I'm going to do? Teach him a lesson, right? You know, I'm, I'm literally, turn around, literally, I'm going to hold it against him, right? I don't care how long it takes. He's got to pay for what he did to me, okay? So can we have some music, please? And as you see, time is going to go by. This is going to cover many years of time. Okay, start the time. Here goes the time. It's June. Here we go. What are we doing, Curtis? He's living his life. He's, he's drilling a hole in the drum set. He's just living, man. He's living a dream. All right, okay. Now what else? He's going to stop here. He's going to have some coffee. Okay. He's just living. It's great for him. 
It's great for him. I'm having to go. He's, he's working out. He's at the gym. He's getting ripped. He's looking good. Okay, there he goes. He's going. He's living. He's got... He's, he's got a job to do, man. He's painting his house. He's working. His life is continuing. Years are going by, man. He's living, he's living the dream. And now, oh, look, he had a baby. Oh, he's rocking that baby. His family is growing. Everything is awesome for him. He's just, he's living, he's living, he's living the dream, man. He's just living his life. Now, what's well, the weekend? What, he's going he's gonna to go do some fishing. He's casting. Oh, that's dangerous. He's reeling a man. Life is going on for him. Now he's, now he's, he's taking up golf because his life is too happy. And now there he goes, beautiful swing. Okay, he's living his life. And now he's working towards the world. Back to the middle of the stage. As you can see, he's, he's, he looks happy. Stop right there. He looks happy. Does he look happy? Does he look, seem like he had a pretty good life, right? Now watch what's going to happen today because it's been 10 years right? 10 years. He's been living this happy, productive, joyful life that Jesus died to give him. And I've been following him around like an idiot, right? So look what's going to happen. Look what's going to happen. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. And look what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop it. Here's my question for you. Who just got free? Yeah, he's doing fine, right? Okay, come over here. Come over here. Stand right here. Come on, Bill. Just back a little bit. Put your hand like this. And we bow. Thank you. Thank you. Step down. Thank you for serving. I'll see you guys at the Academy Awards. Uh, so, what the heck was that, man? Uh, here's the point. Grudges are heavy. Right? I mean... It is a, it's a lot of work holding something against somebody. People do offensive things. People, people hurt us, and, and they can put this label on us. They can put this name tag on us. They can give us this identity that we're offended, but they can't make us wear it, right? They can't make us leave this on for 10 years. You don't have to be offended. You don't have to, you, you can live out of your true identity. You're, you're not offended, you're free. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? The way, the truth, and not I know the truth, I'll teach you the truth, I'll tell you, I am the truth. Look what he says in John eight thirty two. When we know the truth, when we know Jesus, when we know his mercy, when we know his kindness, when we know his Forgiveness, And you know, when the Bible talks about knowing something, it's not just knowing it, right? We really experience his forgiveness. When we know the truth, the truth will make us free. And, and if you're wearing this mislabel of being offended, that freedom starts with forgiveness. And maybe you're saying, yeah, great, Larry, I get it. You know, for, forgiveness is awesome. Here it is. It's biblical. It's Christ-like. It's, it gives a miracle a chance to happen. It's totally freeing. It's magical, you know, whatever. Forgiveness is awesome. But it's also totally impossible, right? There's just no way I can drop this thing. I, I can't let this one go. It, I'm too hurt. I'm too hurt. It's too painful. It's too hard for me. And you know what? It, that's true. That's true for you. On your own, 
it is impossible sometimes to forgive. But the good news is, as Christians, on your own is a mislabel, right? Because God's word says you're not on your own. If you're a Christian, you're never alone because you have his spirit living inside of you. And nothing is impossible with him and you can do all things through him. So I know it's hard. Like how am I gonna like work up forgiveness in my heart, right? Where am I gonna get the love? I can't, I can't stop thinking about what they did to me. You know, I can't give it up. Here's a great verse. This is Romans 5, 3. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials because we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Here's the part I want you to get. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So when you became a Christian and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you to convict you of sin and to empower you and all, that's awesome. Those are things that he really did for you and he's continuing to do for you. But this says he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Maybe you just don't have enough love and they took it away from you. You know, they robbed you of that. Maybe that's really what happened. But you can forgive them in his love. So as Jesus followers, we should forgive. We just listed the reasons but it can be super hard to forgive. It, it, can even, it can feel impossible. It can feel impossible, but we can forgive because his Holy Spirit in us has filled us with his love, the same love that he used to forgive us. Amen? Okay, so the Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens. Remember that scripture? The Bible says that we should pray one for another. And so... I think we should just like pray for each other. And so if you're, if you're the, you know, the type one, if you're kind of the always offended person, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're too easily offended. Maybe things that make you crazy don't make everybody else crazy. And I just want us to just pray for you. And I don't want to offend you, so yeah, you don't have to stand up or anything like that, but we can just pray together for one another, right? And then there, I know there's a lot of people that have just been hurt so badly by one thing, you know, or one person, or one, one thing that happened, and you just, you just, you can't let it go. You just, you just can't let it go. And you see what the Bible says, and you see how Jesus forgave, and the freedom you're missing, but you just can't seem to drop it and move on. Then what we need to do is just acknowledge we've reached the end of your capacity to forgive and love, right? It's a great place to be, because now we start relying on his capacity to forgive and love. The, the love that he put of his that's now inside of you. Does that make sense? So man, if you're struggling with either one of those things or you know somebody that is, then this is the moment that we surrender and say, this is just too hard. Again, awesome place to be. Too hard for me, so now I'm gonna lean into Jesus and depend on him. I would, I would much rather depend on what he has to offer than what I have to offer. So let's just pray, let's just pray. Um, Father, yeah, there's so many things like, that make us crazy. There are so many people that seem like they're just bent, like they wanna hurt us, like they want to, to take our joy. And, and we also have Satan, he's trying to rob and kill and steal and destroy, and he does that through people. And so all of us have at least one little label on us that we're offended by something. 
And Lord, today we see that you've come to give us freedom from that, and we want this life that you have for us, not the life that we're living now. So just like that little boy in the attic, man, we wanna do the hard thing. We wanna forgive um, all of the stuff and all of the people that has happened to us, but we realize like we're, we're out of forgiveness. Like we're, we're up against our limit. We're, we're, our capacity to forgive is exhausted. And so now we wanna do the best thing that we can do as human beings, right? We wanna lean into your love. And we wanna tap into your compassion. We wanna tap into your forgiveness. It was big enough to forgive me for killing Jesus. So I know it's big enough to forgive the people that have hurt us. And so today, Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name for you to give us your love. And it's already there, so just make us more aware of your love and your presence inside of us. Give us, give us your forgiveness and let us see that we already have it. It's a mislabel to say that we're offended. We, we're free from that now. We just need to start taking the steps, right? We need to start living out the life that's really ours, the true identity that you've given us. We are not offended. We're free. Help us to live free. Help us to stay free by daily forgiving, just like you daily forgive us. And thank you for that. Thanks for forgiving us and thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Um, Women, don't forget to sign up. Men, don't forget to show up on Wednesday nights.